Are you ready to break into the world of commercial acting? Slate It Till You Make It is the only podcast exclusively dedicated to helping you thrive in this dynamic and unpredictable industry. With thousands of talented actors vying for a single role, how can you increase your chances of becoming that one standout audition? Join your host, Katherine Donnelly, as she interviews the top commercial casting directors, industry experts, and working actors. Slate It Till You Make It is your ultimate resource for insider tips, strategies, and stories that will help you step up your commercial game. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. Get ready to unlock your true potential in the competitive world of commercial acting. Slate it till you make it. Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, backstage senior editor and professional entertainment obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. To be honest, you can't really, I can't create a performance or until I'm there and you feel what's in the air and the other actors in front of you and you, you, know, you can have all your ideas and do your prep and conversations, but until you're there and you're in it, you don't know. And, it's only, and then even after that, you're like, I'm off, I'm like, oh, that's what it was about. You know? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of In the Envelope, the Actors Podcast. I am your host, backstage senior editor, Vinny Mancuso. And joining us today is the truly wonderful Rose Byrne. Now, right up top, I do want to say, to be clear, that this interview was recorded before SAG-AFTRA went on strike in order to get a better contract with the AMPTP. Rose has been vocal in supporting the strike, and she's not crossing any lines here. And I'm so glad we did get this conversation in in time because it's a great, great talk about one of the most eclectic acting careers of the past 10 years and beyond, honestly. Rose has a very busy 2023, two TV series and a film, and mostly we talked about all of the ups and downs and the, let's say, healthy uncertainty she has about her career, even after all these years, that keeps her career and her talents constantly evolving. Um, let's just get right into it. Here is Rose Byrne. Rose, how's it going? Good, uh, it is an absolute pleasure to meet you. Um, I'm so excited you're here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, how are you doing? How's everything uh, in your <laughs> life right now? I'm okay. I just came in from Australia yesterday, so I'm a little bit jet lagged. Oof. Um, and I also have food poisoning on the plane. Oh, no. Well, double thank you for being here. No, but so <laughs> I'm fine, but I'm, I'm fine. I feel I feel a lot better today. But um, but 
yeah, it's so hot in New York. Are you in New York? It's I am in New York. Hot. Yeah, it oh is a uh, it's a swamp. It is a swamp in New York City right Oof, now. It's not not good to be out in the day. So I'm I'm very happy to be inside with the well, air. Conference. Yeah, I can't <laughs> imagine the the combination of 12, 13 hour flight, food poisoning, swampy New York has been uh, wonderful Twi- for you. Twenty hour flight. Twenty hour flight. Okay, double it. I guess. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, forty. Never... It's fourteen hours from Sydney to LA, and then it's LA to New York. Well. Thank you so. I, I I'm going to keep thanking you for being here because that is okay. A, a I appreciate truly, it. I know. I'm milking it. I'm milking it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how you know this is a very interesting time for Hollywood. Uh, it's a very interesting time to be an actor. Um, this will be coming out on I believe uh, the twentieth. Yeah. So who knows where, okay. where Hollywood will be? At I that know. Point. Where will it be? I I it is it is such an interesting time and long overdue. Really, these contracts need to be re you know, redrawn up and it's time, but it's not without hardship for people. My goodness. It, yeah. Not, it's not straightforward. No. I mean, we were just yeah. talking before you came on. It's just, you know, it's it's all that anybody connected to the industry is, you know, thinking about us at yeah. backstage. You know, we, we are for the actors. We want people to be acting. We want people to be working. So I just, you know, it's, uh, we'll see where we are when this episode comes out. So I we know. Won't, we won't it's belabor the point too much. It's a tough time. Um, but we should talk about acting uh, and you being an actor. And I wanted to go all the way back to the beginning and ask if you have any sort of acting origin story, uh, anything that happened in your life where you saw a performance, a anything where acting crystallized for you and you, you said, that's maybe something I, I would like to do. Well, as a family, we used to all watch one of the few shows we'd sit around and watch was um, Faulty Towers yes. with John Cleese, you know, the classic comedy mm-hmm. <laughs> from the 70s, I think it is, right? It's pretty yeah. old. And I, I don't think I knew exactly at the time, but John Cleese's performance just stayed with me and the comedic timing and the brilliance and the physical comedy he did and us as a family really, it's just the that collective kind of joy that it would bring and how funny and ridiculous it was. And I don't know if that was, this has always been in my subconscious, but it's a very deep memory, sense memory that I have of, and I think in some ways has stayed with me, particularly in terms of comedy. So that was, that's a, a little bit of an origin story. And in terms of actually starting acting, I, I grew up in Balmain in a, in a city suburb in Sydney and um, a friend of my sister's who was a lot older, you know, 10 years older than me said, I think you'd really like acting. I, I go to this place called the Australian Theatre for Young People which is a youth acting program in Sydney that I actually was the ambassador for for many years. And I went um, and started classes there with a bunch of kids from my neighbourhood. We'd get the ferry over because it was um, down in the rocks in Sydney. And I loved it. And that's where I began and just loved it. I didn't know if you could make a living or how you could. You know, I watched some TV, but I wasn't from a family that was in the business by any means and none of my friends were. And then a casting agent came to one of my um, uh, classes there and then she pulled me out to audition for this Australian fil- feature film called Dallas Doll, a sort of strange, wonderful little eccentric film. And um, I ended up getting the p- a part as one of the kids in the movie. So that that's a brief <laughs> overview of a long answer to your question. Can, can you remember the sort of first performance, like the first time that, that you did acting, you know, like I, I would even say officially, but can you remember, you know, the, the first time you were either on stage in front of a camera and said a line and that was, you know, the beginning of it all and what that was for you? I remember um, 
playing Mary Poppins in year Perfect. three or something like that, or year two, like I was really little. And um, I remember that. I remember that very clearly. And my best friend Lucy Buchanan played Bert. She had on a fake beard and a... <laughs> And I loved it. I just loved it. I remember that. And I remember playing dress-ups with my sisters. I'm the youngest of four kids, so they would always dress me up and we'd do shows together and stuff like that. But And then I and then I remember when this casting agent came in and I remember my first, my first audition going into Liz Marlana's casting and being in front of the camera and all those, yeah, amazing kind of memories, the first time of mm-hmm. being in that world and it's very vivid. What do you, that, that first audition I can imagine is, you know, it's like stepping into, like stepping into Oz. It's, it's, it's a completely different, what, what was, you know, at the time, what was your, what did you think acting was? You know, like I, 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 when you're, when you're first sort of, you know, you're doing this for the first time, you don't quite have the bedrock of process or, or, or technique or anything. I, during these first things, what, what, what was acting to you? During the first things, I mean, it was in a way a similar thing of like obviously no technique, like technical technique and all those sorts of things and and, and acting technique, fine-tuning things, but a, a very intuitive and instinctual. And But the stepping into the you know, auditioning and camera and stuff, that really, as you put it really well, it was kind of like going to Oz. You know, it was such a different world and very daunting and intimidating and exciting, you know, they're like, anticipation and will you, won't you get it? And yeah, it felt very out of my league, you know, I, I didn't know how, how it worked and it felt very like foreign in an exciting way, in a way that was like something to strive for. Um, but I still, yeah, I remember feeling very daunted, intimidated by the casting agents and the learning the scripts and being on camera and the lights and the, all the smells and sounds. It's really cool. Cool to think back about it. There's, there's just so many people in an audition room. I don't, yeah. I don't think people realize how many people are looking at you, how many lights there are. I, I know. It's really kind of a wondrous and daunting at the same time. So when did the sort of um, ground get a little bit more solid under your feet? Like, Do you remember when you know it became less of, oh, I'm doing this new thing and more of this is who I am? You know, like the, the, when, did, when was the first time you sort of felt... Confident in where you were, basically. I don't know if that's I've ever arrived there. <laughs> to be honest, um, I think I've been around for a long time, so there's some kind of comfort of like I've just been, you know, there's less. Um, it, but that feeling of um, I, I, you know, I continued school. I would audition. I got parts here and there. I then and then I really did want to go to drama school, but I didn't get in, so I was shattered. I was like, that was my path. I was going to get into NIDA or WAP or BCS or something and didn't get into any of them because my auditions were probably terrible. And uh, so my parents really encouraged me to go to university and get a degree, an arts degree anyway. So I did, went to Sydney University, but I, I continued to work and audition and then really started pursuing it more honestly in my early 20s. And I went and studied at um, the Atlantic Theatre Company, David Mamet School, and really fell in love with that technique. And, you know, did that classic thing of kind of going back and forth between LA and Sydney and auditioning and trying to get jobs mm. and uh, all that sort of thing. So, and back then there were a few Australians, but now there's like an Australian on every corner. It's yeah, like, I was, you used to sort of I mean, there's that 20 hour flight. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I know, uh, right? So that, that was kind of my, um, probably in, in earnest really began to try to pursue it in my early, yeah, like late teens, early 20s. Yeah. I, I'm curious and, you know, not to, dwell on the the negative memories of your past but the the, the moment you did 
you know, not get into to drama school. Um, that's yeah. such a, um, you know, we we talk a lot about, you know, the successful things, the, the, the very crowning moments in people's career. But when you did not get in, you know, what yeah. what was the the immediate reaction? And then what was the pivot into? Well, you know, I'll, I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> you know, like the, yeah. it, it didn't it didn't stick. Mm. Well, at the time, it was really consuming and very vivid, and I had I was very disappointed. I was shattered and felt knocked about. My confidence knocked about, and um, but it's good. You're young. You're resilient. You know, and you have to just you got nothing but time at that point if you're lucky. <laughs> so I was, you know, my parents really encouraged me to just like if you've got the opportunity to university, then do it. You know, you can continue to grow and learn. And I'm really glad I did because I loved uni and I really. Like enjoyed it more than I thought I would. The freedom of university and um, made new friends and um, and I guess my driving ambition to continue to work. You know, I had an agent; I could audition, so I just continued on that path. And the theatre was also always more elusive to mm-hmm. me because that was felt really exclusively to to people who had trained, mm-hmm. particularly in Australia at that point. So I wasn't sure if I would ever be able to get into that the theatres in Sydney and, and in Melbourne and so on. And so that was more felt so out of reach to me and like I would never be qualified (laughs) but you know I was lucky I had a couple of directors take a chance on me and I could audition and I did eventually do a play and but that was always on a pedestal to me was the theater actors who had trained like I felt very daunted and in awe of those people is there a a role or a project during this sort of um early time you know this 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 time that you were figuring it out and, and, and yeah. these directors were taking uh, a chance on you is there is there anything that you think most shaped who you are as an actor and you know the who you are as an actor still to this to this day well so this technique uh practical aesthetics which was taught uh you know started at the atlantic theater company with mamet and felicity Huffman and bill macy and all those guys I did the I did a TV show called Wildside in Australia, and they used that technique. And there was a wonderful dramaturg called Nicola Thoris, and he was very influential in terms of technique and approach that they used there. And for me, as a young actor at that point, I was really became very committed to that technique, and I think I still carry that with me for sure. I, and I still carry his teachings, and I find it very grounding because it's very sort of demystifying technique. It's very just when. There's so much going on in text and performance or context of a project, whether it's a play or a movie. And I find I find that technique really just just strips it back to the basics, which sometimes I find very helpful when you're approaching something daunting. What are the? Uh, I, I, I know that there are so it's many techniques. Like I know there. it's very writer based. It's sort of like mm-hmm. it, it can be a little dry, but it's like there's no character. It's just words on a page. It's very it's Meisner based, so it's very acting is reacting, and it's sort of sort of reactionary to the latest Denislavski, um, Lee Strasberg school. It's like a bit of reactionary to that. So it's very stripped back. And um, I, I was drawn to that. I think for me at that time, I really enjoyed it. And now I think I'm more into like being more creative with character and, the, you know, the choices you can do with, you know, physicality and stuff like that. But for me, it's a, it's always been a grounding kind of uh, thing to return to. And it sounds like it's a it's a good way in. Because it, it definitely is, yeah. I think it. I think because it's, it, yeah, it can help you just de- declutter it, you know. I think part of the, one of the biggest shocks of working at backstage for as long as I have is um how not not only how many techniques there are, but like the <laughs> yeah. over the overlap, the names. You know, somebody say, oh, oh it's, you know, it's Meisner base, but it's also yes. it, 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 yeah, Belden Christ. So and funny, like, I know. It's like um, 
bet you must have heard of everything under the sun. You must have heard every technique and teacher and guru and class. And, and yeah. some of them I'm like, well, that sounds kind of the same, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. The same thing. yeah. Well, that sounds like but, a cult. Yeah, exactly. But whatever, whatever helps. Um, I agree. I, I, I am curious, you know, in the time since, you know, up until today, uh, you mentioned, you know, your your sort of approach has changed slightly. I, I'm curious how technique process focused of an actor you are. You know, are you, are you the type of person who thinks about how they're doing something while they're doing it? Are you someone who is um, very aware of what your approach is or, or is or, or, or is it kind of change with the role, with the project, with the director? I try to remain really flexible and try to keep it not ephemeral is not the right word, but to just have elasticity with it and flexibility so you can change on a dime. And I, I had a great analogy once of like acting sort of like handing the keys over to someone else to drive. And that's like a very general sort of metaphor, but I quite like that. And I find the more that I can do, the more that I can do physically, the less I get in my head. And then the less I'm in my head, the less self-conscious I am. And I find that always freeing. But each project varies different, you know, so wildly in terms of what's required and the atmosphere on set. And to be honest, you can't really, I can't create a performance or until I'm there and you feel what's in the air and the other actors in front of you and you, you know, you can have all your ideas and do your prep and conversations, but until you're there and you're in it, you don't know. And it's not, mm -hmm. and then even after that, you're like, I'm often like, oh, that's what it was about. <laughs> <laughs> and I have regrets or I'll have hang ups and you know, oh, I screwed that up or this and that. So, yeah, it feels like the, whole, the longer I do it, the more I just really want to remain flexible, try lots of things. And for me, I feel like that is more fun and is more potential. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, you know, that mindset has has contributed to the the great range of, of your career and like, you know, who you are as an actor? Because, you know, you look at your IMDb page and it is it is drama, it is horror, it is comedy, it is it is and, it, and you excel at all of them. And I, I'm curious, you know, if, if you have a certain mindset that has you think has allowed you to just go from project to project and 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 different environment and different environment and excel in all of them. Oh well, I I don't know that, but I <laughs> take it take I, it from I, me. <laughs> I honestly, this is such a cheesy thing. I feel like it's luck. I just uh, I just feel like I know so many great actors who don't get enough work, and uh, I you know what I mean. I just always feel so lucky. <laughs> feel really grateful and lucky and you know one thing can lead to another and work begets work and those sorts of things are really true um I've definitely tried to have a say in my career and I, often those choices are what you say no to not what you say yes to mm -hmm. it's like those things can shape your career just as much as anything else and I you know I had a strong desire to do comedy and I really hadn't I'd done mainly dramas up until later in my 20s and that was something I pursued very specifically because I wanted to I wanted to break out of just being kind of in these heavy dramas and I knew uh, and I that that was something I consciously pursued for sure within my career. And I'm, I was really grateful and again got lucky that I got someone took a chance on, you know, this dramatic actress on, actress on a TV show damages. You know, I was known for that at that point in the States. So again, I, got, I felt very lucky. Yeah, the Someone takes a chance on, you know, whether it's a theatre director who sees you even though you didn't graduate from drama school or the comedy director who'll see you even though all you've done all they've seen you on is like a, a drama on a cable show you know mm -hmm. i mean that that intangible luck factor is yes is, is you know it's it, i've done i think almost 50 episodes of this podcast at, at well, this point i've heard of people's careers and it, the takeaway is you cannot chart a career you cannot 
plan it. It is, it is, it is, there's, there's no blueprint. And so much of it is somebody opening a door. Yep. So much, somebody opening a door, having that moment, making a choice, whether it's yes or no, and what that then leads to. Yeah. It's all those things that are intangible. Yeah. As you said. I'm curious about, you know, the importance of the, the things you say no to. I, 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 that's really interesting to hear. And and I'm just curious, um, how one can, can go about, you know, thinking about the things they don't do and, and, and what the approach is to what is worth it at any point in your career. Hmm. Well, I think, you know, having a family really fundamentally changed my choices as it does with many people, but I think becoming a mother, yeah, that was a huge turning point of like just priorities. And, and whereas before I was, you know, probably less discerning than I should be. And then I think becoming a parent, I've just <laughs> by natural sort of natural consequences have started to be a little choosier and a little more confident in saying no. Not that that thing's like, I always think my last job is going to be my last job. <laughs> like I'm as insecure as the next actor. But um, it, but definitely having kids, I think, reprioritized my time. You know, you just have you just have less time, and there's other precious things going on. You know, we just had um Io Idabiri on the podcast. She you knows she's in the bear, and she yeah yeah she was talking. She she said something really fascinating. She's she was saying you know how important the in between times. You know, doing human things, walking your dog. She she was saying if you don't do that, you don't have there's nothing to pull from in the well, you know, you don't want to give up your reserves. And I found that really interesting. And it's interesting to hear you kind of echo it. You know, the, the, when you're younger and you have the time, you can work, 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 but it's almost like once you find the beauty of those other priorities, your, your career almost reaches the next level where you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I can pick and choose what is worth my time. Look, uh, ideally, (laughs) I mean, sometimes you (laughs) can also have a family and like be broke and like really want to get a job. (laughs) Like I'm such a, I'm always so glass half empty, but but I, uh, but I know in my situation, I definitely chose to slow. Do- I sl- slowed down a little bit more, and you know, like this business, you do one thing and it might be successful. So then you get projects coming your way that are all just the same or really similar. Mm-hmm. So you know, so it's like I got you know every ensemble female comedy coming my way after Bridesmaid or something yeah. like that, Bridesmaids. But so it's also knowing when that's pretty obvious and like, okay, I, I, I'll be okay if I don't. But I find it very hard, I should say, to say no. I do not take that lightly. Like I find it really excruciating. I feel bad. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I've had to get tougher. I've had to get a thicker skin of like, mm-hmm. it's okay to say no. You, you've, oh, I've had so many no's in my life from people. Yeah. The, the memory of, of when you were begging for a yes you know yes it's, yeah it's, exactly yeah. exactly or still trying to get in knock on doors for certain directors and things and getting a no it, it doesn't change so mm-hmm. well it's, it's interesting because this year alone you have several projects and they are very different and uh you know <laughs> I, I i i do want to talk first about platonic yes um, yeah and I, I wanted to read a quote from the co-creator nicholas stoller who, who said you are the uh, the most game actor he's ever worked with i'm curious from your perspective, what that means, you know, what, what, what does it mean to be a game actor? Game. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying <laughs> to think of what I did on set. Then we're like, well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll try everything. I'm very like, throw it all at the wall and, and then they can tell me to pull back a little bit or go further a little bit. Um, but, uh, I think with comedy, you always have to, you know, kind of go, go for it, go for it, you know, go be game and go for it and dive in the deep end and, 
and then and then you'll know where the tone is, you know, of like where the joke kind of lies a little bit. So maybe he's referring to that, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think what I did. <laughs> well, it sounds like you were willing to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, God. For better or worse. I was going to ask about, you know, the physical comedy of the show. It is it is it is a showcase for your your talents as a as a physical comedian, as 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 somebody who's who's, you know, great at nonverbal acting. <laughs> um, and just getting things across. I I have to assume that's something you've worked very hard at. That's something you have, you know, through trial and error and 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 seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, being game for anything, basically. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious how you're still, and to use platonic as an example, how you're still working at that. You know, how, how what is there anything on platonic that you found, you know, was stretching a comedy muscle or trying something new that you have not tried before? Well, you know, Nick Stoller gave me my break in comedy. He cast me in Get Into the Greek. Because uh, another actress had to drop out of that part, so I had, there was like a window, and I got to audition, and it was like again luck, you know. This girl had, couldn't do it. I got in, you know. It was like total luck. And he, so then now cut to Platonic, which is gosh, fifteen years later or something. And mm-hmm. um, Francesca, his wife, and him, they really just wrote to me and Seth, and wrote to our strengths, and particularly once we started, and they could so they gave me all those opportunities to do the funny physical stuff, which they know or could see that I, you know, would have fun doing. So I, I'm so indebted to them because they were the ones who kind of set set us up, you know, and can mm-hmm. see they just write to our strengths so well and particularly having done the Neighbours movies with him too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like collective years of work of kind of getting to this point of being able to, and I, I, I may have asked too, like said, oh, I'd love to, I don't know if I did, maybe in rehearsals I think I mentioned oh, that would be good or yeah, that's a great sequence, I love that. But they're really smart and they know they just he knows where he knows what what's gonna work for each actor, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I felt very when I started to see the scripts come in, I could I was a little bit daunted, but I thought <laughs> I wouldn't screw it up. Um there are, you know, there's the the sort of large scale pieces that are that are very clearly, you know, the, the yes, doing, set doing, pieces, doing, yes. doing ketamine, you know. Yes, yes, but there's there's yeah. There's so many small moments that I I think I'd love to know what is behind it because it sort of illuminates the process. There's a there's a second of a moment in episode five where um Seth Rogan throws you a beer and it just kind of like bounces off your hand. And I that really happened. I was gonna say the reaction yeah, yeah, is yeah, so yeah, that really happened. <laughs> it's so funny because it's just That's it's stupid. literally like half a second. I I and I was like, what is that the really is that something you did multiple times or yeah. did that really happen? I think it really happened and then we had to recreate it again and again and again. I think that's what happened is that I missed it and then it was like, holy shit, we have to do this again and again and again. If I'm if I'm correct in my memory, I feel like that's what happened to me. It would look at losing the beer under the props and yeah. But that was one of those spontaneous things, which was which is so fun and funny when you're doing but yeah, that was one of those, which was mm-hmm. yeah, which was really and I think, you know, Seth and I having work together many times now there's a there's a real camaraderie and mm-hmm. you know an ease that you have with one another because you've broken the ice a little bit and it was funny in this show because we're not playing husband and wife like in the neighbors movie so halfway you know early on early on in the first few weeks I turned to him and I was like you're being like really mean to me this time <laughs> like you're not as nice like you were so sweet last time because <laughs> they're playing these like obviously much more kind of a different you know kind of um not a hostile friendship, but like a, a bit of a combative friendship they have. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I am curious because, again, you know, we talk to a lot of people in this podcast and get yeah. a million different answers about a million different subjects because that's what acting is. But yeah. one of the most, you know, different answers we get is about uh, the concept of chemistry and, you know, what it means. 
it's an interesting scenario here because not only have you worked with Seth multiple times, but it is a very specific type of chemistry you have on this show. It is platonic. It is a it is a chemistry you don't get a lot on screen. Mm. So I'm yep. curious, you know, your thoughts on, on on what chemistry means. Is it real? <laughs> is it just acting? Is it uh, something you can build or is it something that just is a result of acting? I am as fascinated as you are in those questions. I truly am. I think it's like lightning in a bottle. Like I do. Mm-hmm. I see actors on screen or on stage and I'm like, wow, the chemistry. And they could very well like hate each other. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it, it's so ephemeral. You could really get along with someone and then have no chemistry on stage or screen with them. It's so intangible. It's like this, you know, it's like particularly on camera, I think, because it's something that happens between the, you know, the lens and the real thing and mm-hmm. it just translates and you, I am always as, I, I think we're all chasing it, right? Every job, every, every, we're all chasing that chemistry that you get, that you have with people. And if it translates as well, that's the big thing. Um, but, you know, famously didn't the actors not get along on the X-Files, weren't they like famously like never talking to you one another or whatever? And like you hear that story. And you're, yeah. And you're, you're like, wow. Like, and they were fantastic as Scully and Mulder. I mean, I remember reading that in some article. I don't know those actors, but... <laughs> allegedly. You know, we'll allegedly. So uh, with Platonic, it really lived and died on that chemistry of those mm-hmm. two. And so that's why I really went after Seth, you know, and asked Nick and Francesca early on if we could, if we, if he would want to do it. Because without that, it just wouldn't have, that just wouldn't have worked at all. It would have been mm-hmm. no, no show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it I, is. I, I could talk about chemistry all day. I don't know. What have you heard of the, of the well, interviews you've done? Like, I had a very yeah. eye-opening experience, I think, oh my God, almost a year ago when we had uh, Ethan Hawke and Ewan McGregor on the podcast. And I asked them about chemistry and they both were like, it's not like, we don't even like the, the term. You, they, they said they don't even believe in it. They said, and I was, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh no, I really stepped in it here because they were the same way and they were very passionate about it. And they said, you know, occasionally it can feel a little insulting because you're kind of getting rid of the fact that it's acting, (laughs) that they are, that they're putting on performance. You're sort of saying, oh, these people must get along when really maybe they don't. Um, So the fact just to hear somebody, you know, in my whole life, you know, I've talked about chemistry on screen. It's been something that, but to hear actors say, oh, we don't even think it's real. It's fascinating. And so I've, and so after that, I've been, I've, I've loved talking to other actors about it because again, people are like, oh, of course, of course it's real and other people yeah. agree it's yeah yeah that's so interesting that's a really interesting take that it, that it's it is just acting you know it you is can, just acting yeah you, you can work with some you can have good chemistry with someone you don't like yeah <laughs> basically. or with a you know a cup of coffee you could have good chemistry oh, or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's, 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 it's a good it, point yeah is is acting not just you know pretending to to believably displaying something on screen whether that's liking your co-star or not. Or, or not exactly yeah exactly you can have bad chemistry with a person you really like it's it's yeah it's fascinating and you're right we could we could we could talk about it we could do about right. the whole we could just make this the, chem- <laughs> the, the chemistry cast the chemistry cast exactly um but i did want to also ask about physical because it's such a different character it's such a different process and the thing i find so interesting about that show and your performance is it is that sort of divide between you know Sheila's outside and her inside. There's the 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 idea of this inner monologue. I'm curious, you know, throughout all well, two seasons and now there's the third season, as a performer, how you've approached that in the moment. You know, when you when you're performing a scene where there will be voiceover that you record later, and what what she's doing in the moment is different from what she's thinking. How do you 
bring that together when the director says action. It was definitely trial and error. It was a technical challenge to have that. And I, my, my, um, my double on the show, Kelly, she would read out all the lines. Interesting. And it was, I mean, it, it's also quite funny because it's so hard when <laughs> like aggressive and so. Mm-hmm. We'd yell cut and everyone would just be like, all right. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, lighten up, Sheila. Um, so we always, there was a levity afterwards just to keep the, you know, it's like let, releasing the gas valve. So it was a, whew, a little bit, every, the tension would get out of the room. But um, I love the voiceover. It's such a weird technical challenge. And in season three, they really changed with the device of that in that it turns sort of it, Zoe Deschanel's character kind of becomes, oh, starts out as sort of an innocent kind of obsession or interest, curiosity that Sheila has and then turns into a far more kind of dangerous situation but for her mentally. But also really the voiceover was something we did in the, in the post-production. So, you know, on set I would do it and it was like, the, you know, we had Kelly doing it in the room. But then the real work became in the post-production, and I'm one of those rare actors. I love ADR. I love fixing it. I love uh-huh. looping. I love trying to change it. And so it was like the final sort of texture of the show, the final layer would be the voiceover. And it was Annie was always tweaking it, so it was always getting changed and always being tweaking. And I could adjust the the voiceover to the performance too. So once I would see the performers, and we could like figure out how where the voiceover would sit, whether in a in a voice would sit. Mm-hmm. The technical challenges is something else I'm very obsessed with when it comes to on camera acting because you have that. And also I've noticed, you know, in physical, how often it is the camera is is directly in front of, of Sheila. So I I've, I've always issued in that sort of split mind thing that actors do where it's, you know, you have the VO, you have what you're doing, and then there's a camera dra- <laughs> camera directly in front of you. Yeah. How do you what is what is this the way that you found to sort of navigate all of that and also releasing it and, and and making it a real moment in front of the camera. Again, like, you know, I did a, a soap opera in Australia when I was a teenager and that was honestly such a technical um, lesson. I did it only for a year. I was really young. I was 15. But that taught me so much about just everything, camera angles. And I've just feel like it was such good training for in that sense as a young actor to get that into my, um, just to learn it, just to learn, 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 and learn the dynamics of the set and the responsibilities and the roles. And, but just all of that stuff that really only comes with practice. And I felt like, you know, it's another thing as a performer is always to look, see how far you've come, you know, and to look back instead of constant, we're always constantly looking to the next and the next and to sort of, it's also important to just like look over your shoulder now and then and go that hey you know you have come a long way look how far you've come in terms of that and so something like physical was a really technical watershed moment for me I think for those sorts of reasons of like what was required uh, particularly how it was shot you know with all these raking close-ups and never looking at the other actor <laughs> ever yeah. and um you know like the best performances I think when I'm watching a performance it always feels like they might not be possibly in control of what they're doing. And that is really interesting. Instead of being self-conscious, it feels like someone else is driving the car. And I kind of, that's a bit exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. What is the thing about, you know, acting your career that you're still most curious about? What is what is but, the thing that you're still, you know, still sort of trying to answer or trying to do or trying to understand about this thing that you've been doing for all these years? Um, <laughs> what is, what is the, the biggest curiosity about acting these days? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I think to stay curious is really important. I think the minute that you're not, then you should 
probably not going to be doing very interesting work perhaps. And I think to, to keep that curiosity alive and, uh, and to your point, uh, to your actor you were interviewing before, to keep your life alive, you know, to be have as much of a rich life as you do in real life, not just in your work. Um, and uh, I just do have an endless curiosity. Yeah, I never think I've arrived in any sense of the word in any concept of that meaning, whether it's creatively, like, completely fulfilled or it, whatever. It, it doesn't, it always feels like a constant journey and a constant journey of inspiration too. Like when I finally now go back to the theatre all the time and being mm-hmm. back in that magic of being in the stage with, in the audience looking and having these, that unique moment every night that you're never going to have again on that for those actors on stage until they do it again and it'll be different. Those sorts of inspirations, I think. And I think after the pandemic, it's been a real rediscovery of all that um, and missing that creative outlet. So, yeah, I think as long as the curiosity ever leaves, that's when, that's when, and yeah, I'm always, I've still, I'm still remained utterly curious. I love that. Well, Rose, thank you again. Thank you. Uh, This was, this was wonderful. Thank you. Again. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much. Thanks, as always, to our brilliant producer, Jamie Muffet, and to the whole team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. 100% free. You simply cannot beat that. For more exclusive content, find us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who should we interview next? Let us know. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another peek in the envelope.